Welcome to another episode of the Elite Selling Podcast. It's your hosts, Frankie and Griffin. It's Friday. We're amped to be talking to our special guest, Nigel Burns. Nigel is the Chief Revenue Officer at Calibri AI. Nigel has held leadership positions at companies like Limitless, Directly, Cisco. And today we're talking about one of the most relevant topics we've talked about on this podcast in 2023, it's mid funnel fallout. Why are deals getting stuck in the middle sections of your qualification and your sales process? We're going to go through the top five reasons that Nigel and his team have uncovered. And we're going to talk about next steps, best actions and key takeaways that are going to help you get your deals back on track. Without further ado, let's get into it with Nigel. Welcome to the Elite Selling Podcast. Happy Friday. How's it going? Oh, it's just going great. Thank you, Griffin. Awesome. Well, usually we start these episodes by asking our guests why you know they wanted to focus on the topic that they chose. I, I think this, this topic of mid-funnel fallout is so relevant today. It, it's something that comes up, I think, as we were prepping. It comes up in every single conversation that I have with reps. Frankie mentioned the same thing. Anytime we're talking to reps, we're all running into this problem of deals getting stuck sort of in the middle. And yes. so rather than asking why you wanted to focus on this topic, I mean, maybe like we could just jump into your experience with mid-funnel fallout and sure. then we can go from there. Absolutely. Sounds good. Um, yeah, so uh, when I was working at a company uh, directly, um, we did some analysis of um, deals that had fallen out of the funnel, um, and we came up with uh, five major reasons why things were falling out. Um, so uh, the first one um, is that there is no North Star. There's no big vision. Um, now, uh, uh, listening to some of your other podcasts, um, that can be as a result of sometimes you know, the customer's done their, their research and they come on and they just want to see a demo and everybody's nodding, everybody thinks it's great and you go, well, this deal's going somewhere. But really, um, you know, you haven't set the stage and you haven't given them this North Star for everybody to aim for. Because when you go, you know, someone back at the organization has got to go and, you know, wander around and get all of the C-level execs on board with this. And if all we're talking about is a small thing, um, it can quickly get lost in the shuffle. So you've got to make that vision big enough and bold enough and compelling enough that they're going to want to divert the, you know, the organization to go and do that uh, with you. Uh, so let's pause day. really quick on the North Star. I love that. Yeah. Uh, do you see most North Stars today being more cost savings? Hey, the, the North Star for this project is really going to be about reducing costs mm -hmm. or driving uh, optimization. Or have you seen the best still to like our North Star is going to be, here's how we're going to help you grow. Is it like yeah. a combination um, of the it, factors? I'm curious what you've it, seen it, work it as far as North yeah, Stars. It, it changes. Um, a good example, um, IBM CEO survey last year, um, number one priority was CX. So, mm -hmm. you know, that was um, all about growth and how you could help yep. them that. Uh, that's now dropped to number three in 2023. And the focus now is on profitability and, um, and efficiency. So, yes, it's now gone to a cost savings. So, you know, that's really what you've got to, um, what I'm focused on at the moment anyway. So. That's awesome. All right, what's number two? 
Um, number two is um, you've got to link it to a strategic initiative that they already have underway. And what I mean by that is, you know, if they have a um, cost savings initiative, um, you know, that's what you're going to want to latch on to. Um, because, and the reason for that is, is because it's those strategic initiatives, that's where the budget is. Um, so, you know, I've, I've ex examples of, um, you know, getting to yes quite quickly with a client, but then realizing that they didn't have any money. And so I had to go and find a strategic initiative that did have money to go and attach the, uh, the opportunity to. Uh, so without that, um, then you're in zero based budgeting and it takes a lot longer to go and get that money uh, assigned to your project. So um, if you can latch onto something that already exists, something they're already working on, um, then that really uh, uh, pays dividends. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take you longer and you're probably going to either not close a deal or close it for 1% of what it could have been. So you yeah. might as well spend the time, to your point, doing the re research and review ahead of time. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Or it may come as part of the um, uh, part of the discovery process. But, you know, I tend to like uh, to have that in your bag, you know, as you go through those conversations, especially um, if you're lining up. Um, C-level executives for you know, uh, a peer, uh, someone from your company to go and meet with. Um, it's good to have that information ahead of that, so that they can then verify that you know that A is the strategic initiative, and B that you have a solution for that, because that's uh, uh, then they can greenlight it from there uh, to go. Yep. So we have deals are basically stalling because we're not finding the north star. Yeah, we're not linking it to a key initiative where the budget is and understanding, yeah. okay, what, what is prioritized? Right. Like what are the prioritized initiatives? Okay. So those are two. Give yeah. us number three. Uh, number three is uh, single threaded relationships. Um, you know, we find our champion and we hold on to them dearly. Um, and, you know, sometimes if they're a really good champion, you know, we don't want to go anywhere else because, you know, the, the champion's all you need. But uh, in reality, um, you know, organizations um, are multifaceted and you need to develop relationships across uh, the organization, finding everybody that is going to have a say in whether this project goes forward or not. So, you know, that's everybody from legal, from finance, from project management, from the operations, from the business to uh, InfoSec. Um, you've got to have relationships with those people. Um, because the one thing you don't want to have happen is a champion leaves or gets reassigned to a different <laughs> department and you know, literally you're, you're dead in the water. So it's happened too many times to me. So. Ooh, making me cringe. Right here. <laughs> hey, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of it. Yep. That's important for existing clients too, right? Like when you're, when you're working with existing clients, you come up for the renewal and to, if they yeah. leave, you're done. Or if you're trying yeah. to ask for an upsell, you mm -hmm. might be in one department only. Yeah, um, absolutely. And if you think about it, um, especially with existing clients, um, it's important to have those relationships or that renewal is going to be dependent, maybe um, not just on your relationship that you have across the board, but you've got to think about all of the other people in your organizations that's touching that account. You know, whether the C-levels have their quarterly you know, briefings, you know, the people from finance that you know, go and collect money, customer support, you know, the engineers, you know, project managers, the customer success people, you know, all of those people you have to have uh, have to have their own trusted relationships with the organization so, so i'll call out a, a potential red flag in one of those accounts like if you have a seller like i've i've been guilty of this in the past where i have labeled someone as a champion however 
anytime I brought up, Hey, let's go, let's take this to the rest of the business. Let's take this to your, your boss. Let's, let's go to this other line of business. Their reaction was no, 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 no. They don't need to be involved. You know, I, I could run this project solo. I'm the only opinion that matters. And in the past, maybe early in my career, I would take that at face value and go, yeah. Hey, well, you know, as I'm forecasting this deal, like boss, yeah. we have who we need. <laughs> Turns out we need to get the deal. Right. And so I would say to sellers out there, just be cautious. If that's the case and you've labeled this person as a champion, but they're hesitant to introduce you to the rest of the business, that's, you probably a, don't have it, a champion. Yes. You probably don't have a champion. It's more, maybe more of a coach yeah. uh, that you've got in your, uh, in your deal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, number four is, um, you know, something that elite sellers, I think, do by nature is an understanding of how uh, the business goes about evaluating and acquiring new technology. Mm. Um, and it may be that your, your champion, unless they're seasoned and have done a number of these types of projects, they may not know. Um, and so they'll, they'll give you, they'll tell you they know, or they'll tell you the steps they think it's got to go through. Uh, but in reality, it'll be very different. Uh, so everything from, you know, whether they go through an RFP process, you know, whether they like to do proof of values, proof of concepts, you know, to start with, um, you know, typically the length of contracts they do, who gets involved, um, you know, InfoSec is now one of the long poles in the tent, you know, getting all of those things like um, layered into the process and maybe kicked off earlier than you think you need to um, is critical. So um, early on, kind of sitting down with your, with your champion and just having them lay out the steps that go through and but then have that um, questioning about are you sure that we don't need to go um, yeah. you know, talk to the business to it to legal you know um and these things often take a lot longer and so we'll be forecasting a deal you know a month out when in reality you, you're only at the start of the process and you'll be three months before you get to it so what if what if they don't know but they truly are interested in buying and they're not just brushing you off like what do you do as a seller or a leader um well, you've sold enough to know typically the types of steps that people go through. Um, and so you can sit down and have that conversation with them about, you know, here's, you know, the last time I did this, here's who um, was involved in the process. You know, so let's map that out together um, and then develop a plan so that we can go jointly to those people. Uh, yeah, I love that. I of, yeah, yeah a lot, it's a good way to, t number one, test your champion. Mm -hmm. It's a good way to get a true sense of when the deal is coming in and then to understand any gaps that you've got. And I also think a reason why sellers don't do it, and I'm curious your opinion as a sales leader, Nigel, sellers are afraid to lead in this area for some reason, even though it's a critical part of your job and you're actually helping your buyer by giving them a process, by giving them a map on yeah. how to buy technology. You're not going to offend them. You're going to help them out. And then, do you agree with that or what's your thought? Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Because uh, one of the views is that, you know, we're not sellers where, or you know, treat this as an exercise in your client buying something, um, you know, and you're just helping facilitate that. Um, so if you put, you know, if you look at it through that lens, then absolutely you, should, you need to help them uh, understand the process to go through. And then if you find that, yes, they're going to have to go through an RFP, good to know up front because then you can give them the, the last RFP that you <laughs> successfully responded to. And they think you're a hero because, uh, you know, uh, you're helping them out when in reality, you're just kind of uh, ensuring that, uh, you know, it, they ask all the right questions that you know, the, the, that you have the best answers to. So, 
Um, absolutely. And then, yeah, early on in the process, I do like, um, it's a, I, I call it a sales process email, but essentially it's that under, joint understanding that you have with your champion and say, this is the process that we agree that we're going to be going through. So it's, it's kind of after you've had that conversation about how they buy things, you're know, putting that down on paper, because then that's something you can always point back to and say, hey, we're, we're, we're at this step of the process. Here's the next steps. You know, let's kind of map those out. Who's going to do you? Who's doing them? When are they going to be uh, done? And so you can keep it's a, but an easier way to keep people on track. Um, Great. I mean, it's, it's a mutual action plan over, yeah. over email. Yes. Yeah, essentially. But, uh, is that where you're sending them in the sales process email or what does that look like? Real quick? Um, yeah, essentially it's after you've figured out the process, um, you know, their buying process, it's just, yeah, step by step laying that out and essentially putting um, dates and times or, you know, of when that's going to happen. Um, in reality, you rarely meet those, but uh, it certainly gives you something to point back to say hey we agreed that we'd be doing you know uh, reference checks at this point so you know let's get those set up always put, put it a couple weeks earlier than it should yes. <laughs> absolutely all right what's number five and yeah. number five oh so um this is the one that usually um is the gotcha right at the end and it's um it prioritization Ooh. the IT departments of these large organizations, you know, have a different set of management and a different set of priorities than everybody else. And they are vastly overworked. So they have one sheet of paper with the initial the projects that they're doing. And if you're not on that sheet of paper, your project is not going to get done. So you can have the best ROI, you can have you know, the best solution, but it, if IT you know, think it's too much work or, you know, they got other initi uh, initiatives that they're working on, then it'll just stop you dead in the water. So I've had been a victim of that myself. So is, is IT, can IT technically be, I'm, I don't think they're the economic buyer in, in these deals, but they have this characteristic of an EB, which is when everybody else says yes, they have the ability to say no. Yeah, Would you agree with that? Or at least slow you down yeah. and say, hey, we'll get to that next next quarter, next year, um, and you know, because they have their own prioritization that is different from um, your champions or the business. So how, how do you get prioritized? I mean, let's cut straight to it, right? Yeah, who, who, um, you, you start early, way earlier in the process. Uh, yeah. You've got to go and, and meet them and get your champion to you know, right. bring this so that it's, you know, they have regular meetings, you know, once at least once a month, if not more. Of, of you know to reorder the work that they're doing so it's just who getting ahead them, of that who gives them the priorities like is that coming um, from cio or cto or who's that coming yeah, from? yeah generally it's this uh, cio um has them and they sh you know yes they should relate back to the you know what the organization is trying to achieve but if they have you know a year-long project to you know swap out their CRM system or something. Yeah. Um, you know, it's difficult to then go and kind of get them di di uh, you know, devoted to your project, which may be a lot smaller. Or you know, this is such a good point that I, I can think of three or four deals that I've lost because of this, mm -hmm. and we haven't really ever talked about this before on the podcast that I can recall. But thinking about your strategic initiatives point, point number two, I would imagine that specifically in the IT group, they've got their own initiatives and you can't, you can't just come in and say, Hey, this is why my product's so valuable. Even if it's related to an outside strategic initiative, have you seen like common themes or, or 
things that they're thinking about that you can go attach to, to your business case to them? Um, no, it's largely just um, you have no control over what they're working on. Um, yeah, that's, and that's uh, and that's the biggest hurdle. Because um, it, it's so, it seems like it. It's very almost misaligned to the business a lot of times, even though it's like really not. But I don't know. It's I, I can just I'm having flashbacks, bad flashbacks. <laughs> a lot of conversations <laughs> that I've had. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah. what are you telling your team? Like, how do you go? You can't just call up the CIO and be like, hey, I got this great product. Like, please prioritize it. What are you doing? Um, are you so earlier on in the sales process, you know, that's where, you know, if you're you're getting your champion or you know, up through their management chain, just to, if you've got that North Star, um, if you've got the strategic initiative that they can go and help you with the CIO to get that prioritized, you know, or at least give them visibility of when it's coming. And it may be that the CIO comes back and says, well, I can't do anything for six months. That's still good information to know, right? That, uh, you know, because then you can make a decision as to whether, well, at least your forecast is going to be a little more accurate um, knowing that. Yeah. Different. So where do you see these? Like, okay, so let's bring it back. We have our five top reasons why deals get stuck. We're not linking to a North Star that the business is focused on. We're not attached to a key initiative mm -hmm. that's uh, where, where the budget is. Yep. We're single threaded in deals. We're not getting to multiple stakeholders. Um, we don't, we maybe understand the why companies purchase technology, but we're not understanding the how. Mm -hmm. And then the final hurdle, which is kind of the sneaky one in the background, it's going to yep. come out to get you at the end is IT, understanding how they prioritize and who can help you get that project prioritized and yep. streamlined. You're not doing those five things. So you went through this process of understanding, okay, we've identified these five challenges. Mm -hmm. Is this sort of like a checklist that you and your reps have on the sideline of every deal, like to make sure that, hey, these are the five, in addition to our normal qualification, yep. these are the five things that we need to make sure we have aligned. Yeah. And, you know, if you think about it, there's probably, you know, 80 little check marks that you've got to go through in order to get an enterprise deal done. Um, but yeah, these are certainly uh, some of the ones that, uh, some of the bigger ones that you want to ensure that you've got those in place. So do you think it's more important, I'll ask it another way, do you think it's more important to have these five items answered, right? What is the North Star? What is the key initiative? Are we multi-threaded? Do we understand the how and do we know how IT prioritizes? Would you prefer a deal to have these five questions answered or the med pick questions answered? I'm just curious oh. your perspective. <laughs> you had to bring it up, Griff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, going to ask. No, you gotta have those. I mean, those are just, yeah. You you need those, but you know, these are the ones that you may not have thought about that is gonna gotcha. go and bite you, okay. bite you later. Um, okay. And you know, a lot of that stuff is done you know early on, a part of the qualification process. You need to do all of that. You need to ensure that you know you've got product alignment. You know that your solution fits. That the yeah. so all of those things, yes. But these okay. are the things that you know if you don't have these, it's it could slow you down or it could lose you the deal. And what would you say the biggest one that people miss is? Is it is it the IT one? Uh, no, it's it's probably um, it's probably the number one. Um, it's not making that vision big enough or bold enough or compelling enough. Um, yeah. Because you get up to the C level, they're overworked. They got you know too many things to do. And you know if this isn't big, then they like they'll they'll just sweep it away. You get delegated to who you sound right. 
sound yeah. like, right? It's classic, classic little sales saying, but it's true, especially for your number one point. Yeah. And it may be that, yeah, because unless, unless you're, you may be positioning, hey, this is simple to do. It's let's just put it in as a proof of concept. Um, but even then, um, they've got to see what that bigger vision is before they'll go and you know, put resources on. So once you identified these and implemented them into your business, maybe you can help us understand some of the results you saw post implementation um, and post understanding these and, and, and uncovering these challenges that uh, sellers were getting stuck with. Um, well, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's two things. Um, you know, one is, um, you know, clearly we're doing a better job of closing business at the end of it. I am, um, but it's also, getting better forecasting accuracy for the business. And, you know, that's what, you know, when you're in the weekly pipeline meetings, um, you know, getting beaten up by sales, you know, leadership and, you know, the rest of the business as to, hey, why is this deal not closing? Um, it allows you to be a lot more buttoned up on, on answers to that. Because if you know that IT is prioritizing this six months out, then, you know, you're going to have a better ch a chance of getting it at that point than you are any time before, like I said. Which as a, as a individual contributor, and I'm guilty of this forecasting is something that we don't, it's important, but we are, we kind of brush off like it's an afterthought. But what I've realized recently is if you can accurately forecast your deals, you can do so it, it helps you out in so many different ways. You're going to, your manager is going to love you. Your CRO is going to love you. Your ops people are going to love you because you're the one that comes in consistently. So you're going to get kudos. That's the first point. The second point is. You can then go in and ask for new resources, right? You can think, you can project, hey, product team, hey, engineering team, where, wherever you're going to get this information from. I've got a deal six months from now in order to get this done. We need this new feature. We need this new uh, service. Mm -hmm. So it gives you the ability to talk more strategically. So overall, it's, it's selling, closing deals is important, but I think to become elite, forecasting and that puts you in more of a strategic bucket versus just a guy or a girl that can close a bunch of deals real quickly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Great. So is there anything that we, out of those five that we, anything you want to touch on, anything that we miss that you feel like the listeners need to know? Um, no, just that it's, um, it's how you approach those initial meetings. Um, you know, one of your other podcasts that talked about, you know, the, the client just wanted to see a demo, yeah. um, you know, and it's, there's a, a sales is a, a very rigorous discipline and, um, you know, we need to be, uh, to do the, the grunt work at the beginning, uh, to ensure that our deals are set up correctly. Um, and that's just, just the way that you approach those first meetings. Yes. I know they want to see a demo. But yeah, um, you know, you got to get alignment on these other things. Otherwise, it's it's not going to go anywhere. So let's let's talk maybe about someone on your team that you, you think has done a very good job with consistently addressing these challenges around mid funnel fallout. And um, it doesn't have to be someone on your team. It could be someone that you've worked with in the past that has yeah. learned this, implemented in their business, and has found success. I mean. Uh, talk to us a little bit about their process and how they how they stay so consistent. Um, you yeah, don't have to name it. If you want to name drop and give a shout out, uh, I'll talk to you, but no. Uh, you, probably not. Uh, <laughs> well, the, yeah, the, the, the guy I'm thinking about, um, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Peter, he's, um, 
very consistent in that regard. Um, but it it was it's a I talked about this before. It's, it's the discipline of approaching you know the deals in a, in that fashion. You know the first meeting. Um, you know how you set up those initial conversations to uncover the needs. You know the the first and second level. Quant, um, you know questions that you're asking to unpack uh, some of the things they're saying. Kind of drill down. Um, so those are kind of if you start out with that mentality um, that this is a rigorous process and you do need to follow that process. Um, you know, he found that it, it, it certainly helped him. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm glad you brought that up because it allows you to start playing chess, right? And every single call matters. Every single call you're, you're framing up the next call you're framing. What do you have to do? Five steps. And you're bringing the, the buyer through a journey with you and you're giving them that insight along the way. So, Yep. Starting with end in mind is a is a key point for sure. Yeah, Fr Frankie's more of a checkers guy, so this is good for him to learn more about <laughs> the, the testing. You know. Whatever it takes. Yeah. We'll talk to us some about some. I know we we talked ahead of time, and we always ask our guests if there are relative resources that you like to recommend to sellers outside of just these five questions. Mm -hmm. um, if they're having trouble either qualifying their deals, getting stuck in mid cycle. Do you ever give them any references or resources? We'd love some of those. And, or if you just have in general resources you recommend to sellers on your team, outside your organization, uh, we're always looking to share some with our audience. Yeah, um, the, the, the one that I consistently um, get my sales teams to read is um, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Um, and really that just is back to that, how you frame up what you the reason that the organization exists um, and you know why it does what it does um, and the back you know some of that background can really help um, early on in the in this in the uh, the sales cycle just to build up that trust um, as um, you know those first conversations where it's just you and your champion or to be champion um, you know no slides no uh, no crutches you're just there you know just chatting, um, having that business conversation it really helps. That's great. I'm glad you didn't recommend like a sales book, uh, per, you know, per se, more of a broader person to person conversation. So that's a good one. All right. So last question, yep. as we always wrap these things, Nigel, how would you define an elite seller? Um, I would define an elite seller as someone that, um, doesn't look at themselves as being a salesperson. Um, I look at myself as being a business person, first and foremost. Um, elite sellers uh, are people that fully understand how their client operation, uh, business operates, and they can discuss that at multiple levels within the client organization and as well as their own. Um, they are really good at articulating how the product they're selling can address specific business needs. It's, it's making the link between you know, technology and the business problem. Um, that's a critical thing. Um, you know, and someone that has that hunt mentality, but also can develop and maintain long-term relationships at all levels and successfully navigate the, you know, the, the, the client's organization. Um, so, yeah, just- Well said, I love it. It's, it's about being a consultant, right? Yeah. You, you need to understand the problems that your customers or your clients, your yeah. prospects are going through almost better than they do yeah. and coming with a point of view. Yeah. Um, and it, well, it may uh, be that um, you're, you're there to help. 
Um, so it may be that you get to sell some of your own technology, maybe not. Um, I think one of the things that I've uh, found helps build trusted relationships is where you can go and have that business conversation and maybe recommend something else. Um, right. Yeah. You're there to help. And um, uh, you know, the next time that they have a business issue, they'll call you in because they, you know, they trust your, um, trust your, uh, your thoughts on the matter. Nigel, thanks for joining us today. Before we get into the key takeaways, just like last time, if you've been enjoying this podcast, please like, subscribe, give us a review, share this with a friend. This is gonna help us get the message out there. As far as takeaways go, we ran through the five key areas that you should focus on to make sure that you're moving your deals forward. But overall, the theme in my mind was making sure that we are we are thinking about the next steps ahead of time. We're guiding our, our buyers, we're guiding our prospects and giving them a good buying experience throughout the whole process. As elite sellers, it's our duty to lead. So really listen to this episode a few times and make sure that you are giving your customers a great experience. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.